0: Our missions focus time. Uh, This has been something we've done for a number of years in the month of September, focused on our missions. If you missed Wednesday night, you missed a great night. Wednesdays, we're really focusing on missions, talking about them. But on Wednesday, we had some fabulous, fabulous personal testimonies. There were four of them. And they really really were great touched hearts a couple of them just uh, let me just share with you a couple of them that they were they were just beautiful one uh was sarah and she talked about just a, a life that was really difficult but she has come to a place where life is new and one of the things she said is on her journey to really finding what we, what we heard about in this word that was shared just a few minutes ago about getting to a place where you can pour out all that guilt and sin on Jesus. Getting there, there was a point where she said, I had everything I wanted, but that wasn't the solution. So true, so true. Sometimes we think if we just get everything we want, we'll have the solution. She learned that wasn't that wasn't the solution. Why needed Jesus? And and Jacob, Jacob also shared about uh, his life and his journey, a struggle that was up and down. And uh, one of the one of the things that he, that he said he talked about a variety of programs and he said, listen, I'm not disparaging them. And and he wasn't, but he said there was one missing ingredient in all of them, Jesus Christ. It's when we get there. And man, that that was just so great to hear. Uh, This Wednesday, I know we're going to hear from some people who've gone to uh, Mexico. We're going to hear about some of the other missions. We are talking about Uh, missions. And last week we heard on Sunday morning about the great commandment and the great commission, which were both given by Jesus. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love others. And the great commission Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And By the way, Sarah and Jacob, they were baptized a few weeks ago. That was something amazing and great to see, too, that lives that were touched by Christ, it's part of the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to be. Obey everything I have commanded. That was Jesus. And he gave the great commandment and the great commission. And uh, last week, we, we heard about these. The great commandment, this idea of loving God, loving others, it's part of what motivates us into obedience, motivates us in obedience to follow the great commission, to execute the great commission, The great commandment, we were told, is the fuel, the fuel that keeps the great commission moving forward. And the great commission is what we do. It's what we do. And the great command is why we do it. And as Christians, do you know, we are involved in something great, something great What we do, it's great. It's the great commission. Why we do it, it's great. It's the great command. We're involved in something great. We live the command, living the command that Jesus gave in order to accomplish the mission that Jesus told us to do. That's great. It's big. It's huge. It's immense. We are part of this big vision, the big vision of God. Now, things like mission statements and vision statements, these are important to a lot of uh, groups, corporations, organizations, clubs. They're keen on these things. They're keen on vision statements. A vision statement has got to have at least two core elements, the what and the why. Why? God has got this great vision, a big vision. The great commandment's the why. And the great commission is the what. And that's God's big vision. And we might even call it the great vision. Each of us have a part. Each of us have something to do with this vision. And our part, our part is great Our part is huge. Our part is big, right? We heard a little bit differently last week, didn't we? Last week we heard explained the Great Commission and the Great Commandment and how they're foundational to God's big vision. But as Christians, our part in the vision was said to be a small piece. Yeah, like a piece in a great big puzzle. That was a beautiful, beautiful example. That was, our brother Nathan brought that to us. Like a piece in a great big puzzle. And is our piece so small? Is our piece so little and tiny as to be immaterial? Is it insignificant? If our piece were missing would anybody really notice? You know, we might feel that way sometimes. Because our culture often values big achievements. There's a tendency in our culture to focus on the big. If what we do isn't big enough, if it isn't grand enough, well then it's just not significant, it's just really not needed. So go big or go home, right? Is that true? Not not really. We have a powerful, a very powerful image presented multiple times in the New Testament of God's vision, God's vision working through small pieces. One of those images is the image of the body. This is a powerful image, and it's mentioned multiple times In the first letter that uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he talked about this. He gave a very thorough explanation of this idea, this image of the body working. And he introduced it in chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. But it's in chapter 12 where Paul unfolds this and he gives great uh, detailed explanation. He says, The body's got many parts, they all got different functions. Some parts are big, that's true, but some parts are small. Some parts are seen, but some parts are not seen. They're always covered up. And that does not make one part less significant than another. Every part, every part's important. Every part of the body is significant. It's necessary, and regardless of size or visibility, and I'll share with you a little bit of Paul's kind of his summation, really. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, and uh, it's verses 21 and 22. And I'm also going to read 27. This is, he's, he's bringing it together by this time in his explanation. And he wrote, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, These parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. As Christians, we are all part of it. We're all part of this body and all pieces are necessary. All parts are necessary. One can't say to the other, I don't need you. It's not necessary. You're not big enough. No, every part's significant, no matter how insignificant we think it might be. And that's the way it is really in any system of multiple parts. And if we think of a mechanical system, and those are near and dear to my heart, mechanical systems, I love them. I, I think of an example, and this is a, it's a tragic example of a little piece that's very significant. And some of you, I'm sure, remember it. January 28th, 1986. I remember that late morning. It was the day of the launch of the space shuttle uh, Columbia, or Challenger, Challenger. Columbia was another one that, I went down, but this was the Challenger, and January 28th, 1986, it was a Tuesday, and I remember being at work that day, I I, I date myself a little bit, it was the past century, I was working in a tool and die design shop, and I was in this big room of flat boards, we're all drawing on our flat boards, And the guy in front of me he would always have wjr tuned in on his radio he was one of the few that listened to a radio while he was working and that space shuttle launched and i don't know we weren't really paying that much attention it was somewhat like a minute or so into the flight and i I remember i'm leaning on my board and he turned around he turns around from his board he looks at me, Kind, he go, space shuttle just exploded. Like, what? And, and soon the whole room was just like crowded around his radio. And we were listening. Seven lives were lost. And you know what? It was ultimately determined, after this thing called the Rogers Commission, they determined it was an O-ring failure. Primary O ring failure on one of the solid rockets. And then the secondary redundant O ring failed and caused this catastrophic explosion. You know, it wasn't a big part. It wasn't the main turbine. Uh, it wasn't some other major piece of, uh, 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 of the superstructure. Just an O ring. It wasn't an external part, it didn't have a big logo painted on it or anything it was a hidden part, had just one job. Maintain a seal, that was a job. And that job was very, very important. It was very significant. We can never think a minor part, a part that's unseen, a part with a simple function is insignificant. We mustn't disregard the small things. And I want to share with you a biblical example of that principle not disregarding the small things and this example begins in ancient babylon in 587 bc king nebuchadnezzar of babylon he finalized his campaign it was about 15 years of a of coming to jerusalem and and after that time he had finally conquered jerusalem Raised the temple. It was totally destroyed. He took many people, all the able bodied, back to Babylon. 70 years, 70 years they were exiled to Babylon. 70 years is a long time. That 70 years passed. And king Nebuchadnezzar was long gone. There was a new king, king of Persia. Persia had conquered and king named Cyrus, had taken over. And Cyrus made a declaration. He said to the Jews, go on back. Anyone who wants to go back to Jerusalem, go on back. Build the temple. Cyrus said, Cyrus said the Lord, the God of heaven, has instructed me to build the temple in Jerusalem. It's Amazing. Pagan king, God's using him. 42,000 people led by a man named Zerubbabel who was the governor of these people and then Joshua who was the high priest. They went back to Jerusalem. They made the pilgrimage. They found it lying in ruins. Temple was destroyed. But when they got there, they built an altar. They made sacrifices to God. And then they went to work. Zerubbabel and Joshua leading. They went to work. And I I share with you a little from the book of Ezra, chapter 3, about the work that they began on God's house, the temple. Ezra 3, verses 10 to 13, says, when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, remember this is after 70 years, it's been laying there in despair, Ruins. The priests in their vestments and with the trumpets and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. Now imagine that scene for a minute. The foundation of the temple had been laid. Now picture that in your mind. It's not not a beautiful vista with just this foundation in it. No, there's rubble all around. There are ruins all around. The walls of Jerusalem were in ruins. The remains of the former temple were heaped up, heaped up like a mountain mountain either right there in the center of that foundation or off to the side. This was not a finished product. Picture in your mind a huge construction site. There's only a foundation that has been put in place, and there is just a bunch of of junk laying around, rubble and rocks. And now there were two reactions to this site. Many were shouting for joy. Many were shouting for joy. They had never seen the temple. And now they were witnessing something taking shape. Something was happening. Something that they had they had only heard of this thing called the temple 70 years in exile. Anyone who was under 70 had never seen that building. And they're they're just praising God, because they've heard stories about the, the, the glory of God in that temple, and they're just like, yes, we're going to put this thing up. They were rejoicing. Now others, others who had seen the former temple, and these were the elders, they must have been very young when they were taken out of Jerusalem, but they had seen and remembered the grandeur of the temple that King Solomon had built? And they wept. They wept. Why were they weeping? Why were these elders weeping? Was it because they, they recalled the grandeur of the former temple and they're just seeing all this rubble? Did this major construction site look lame in comparison to what they remembered did it seem this was an insurmountable project like man it's never going to get done I, I, we don't really know perhaps some of the above all of the above maybe they just wept because they were overcome with emotion seeing a day they thought might they might have never seen you know whatever the case there were these two groups the rejoicing and the weeping and it says the sound was very loud. It went a long way. No one could really distinguish what it was. Just a, a loud noise, but it, it caused some attention to be aimed at Jerusalem and this construction site. Word spread the Jews are building a temple. Now, the people in the neighboring towns, they did not like this. They did not want to see this temple come, get get, get built up. And so what did they do? They set about to frustrate the plans of the Jews. They, They went about discouraging them, threatening them. They made them afraid. And they kept it up. All these neighboring towns kept it up. They kept it up until the end of the reign of King Cyrus. Cyrus, who from Babylon, the king of the empire, had sent all these people. Now they're getting frustrated. They're, they've been put in fear. And nothing's happening. Now the next chapter of Ezra, chapter 4, describes it all. I'll read you the last line. Ezra, Ezra four twenty four. Thus the work on the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. And so this was nearly 20 years, almost two decades. Put down the foundation, and nothing's happening because of threats and fear and all this. But then God began to speak through two prophets, prophet Haggai, prophet Zechariah. In the case of Zechariah, this was a man given to visions, he saw visions, and then he shared them with God's people. And I love his visions because Zechariah, he's, he's the kind of guy that just says, Lord, what is it? And I love that. Sometimes you, you read the Bible, there's a vision, and there's not a whole lot of explanation. But Zechariah was like, hey, God, what am I looking at here? Because God gave him some interesting visions, and so we we get some explanations. In one of these visions, in one of the visions of Zechariah, he he, he saw this golden menorah, a lampstand. It had seven lamps on it, and this was the kind of lampstand that was in the temple. It, and Zechariah gets this vision of this lampstand with the lamps, but it was a it was kind of a unique menorah. It was different. It didn't have wicks going up to light the lamps where oil would be at the bottom and it would be drawn up the wick. No, this this menorah had a bowl on top, a bowl full of oil. And that oil came down from the bowl to each lamp to light it. That was the supply, this bowl above. Very unique, very different. And Zechariah as he did with previous visions, he's like, Lord, what is it? So let's read it. Let's, let's find out what God said to him about this vision. And this is Zechariah chapter 4, and it's verses 4 to 10. Zechariah said, I asked the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? What are these? What, what is this strange-looking menorah with the bowl and everything? And he answered, Do you not know what these are? Humble guy, no. No, my lord, I replied. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground, then he will bring out the capstone, to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that reigns throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel, now Zechariah saw this interesting vision and he needed interpretation and he asked and God said, look, these things, this, this big lampstand with seven lamps and the great supply of oil, this is a word, this is an image that is a word to the leaders of He's got a mission and he's got a mission to accomplish. He's gonna build the temple. Now that was what he was set out to do nearly two decades earlier, nearly 20 years ago. But there was a mountain before him a mountain of fear and a mountain of persecution from the neighbors and there was a physical mountain of rubble and debris and the enemies threatening Ah, oh, the rubble bell wasn't getting the job done and there wasn't enough power or might in the ranks of the people with him to get the project complete but God put this image before him great supply of oil and it's lighting the lamps it's bringing the supply and this is an image it's a picture of the holy spirit and the word to Zerubbabel was it's not by might or power but by my spirit picture that big old bowl of supply by my spirit says the lord the spirit will enable Zerubbabel to see the mission through to completion he's laid the foundation by his hands And and then this word came, who dares despise small things? Who dares despise the day of small things? Evidently, there were some who viewed the day that that foundation was completed as insignificant. Perhaps they viewed the hands of Zerubbabel as just incapable, too small. Their leader just didn't have it in him. He wasn't mighty enough. He wasn't powerful enough to get the job done. Maybe they were thinking, and what can I offer? What can I do to move this mountain of rubble that's in the middle of the foundation? What can I do when, when I don't have the skills and I don't have the right tools or I'm too young, I'm too old? Or the enemy, the enemy's going to see me if I go to work over there and they're going to persecute me mercilessly and they're going to make my life miserable. I can't do it. I'm afraid. And Zerubbabel's a weak leader. But God said, who dares despise the day of small things? Are you too small Yes, you're too small by yourself. It's not going to be by man's might. It's not going to be by man's power. But when you are equipped by the Holy Spirit, by my spirit, you'll see the mission carry on to completion. You will see Zerubbabel put on the capstone. That's the top stone. You only see the foundation, but God was saying, He's gonna put that capstone on. Yeah, God's got a big vision. God had a grand vision, but some thought God's great commission to build the temple. Man, that's just too big. We can't do it. The piece I got to offer is just too small. It lacks power, it lacks might. They weren't trusting in God's spirit. And what happened to the mission? Came to a standstill. And you know that can still happen today. That can still happen today if you do not catch the vision of God. No, don't believe you're too small to be part of his mission. Don't believe that the peace you have to offer is insignificant. Who dares despise the small things? God can empower by his spirit what seems to be a mountain in front of you. There's not a mountain he can't move. God's spirit can empower you to move it, whatever it is. You know, when you see a foundation that's just surrounded by debris, or there's hurdles, someone's keeping you from it, you know what God sees? God sees a completed temple. God sees the capstone going on. When you see your hands are too small, and you, you see them as too weak to affect God's mission... God sees hands that are putting that stone right on top where it belongs and saying, God bless it, God bless it. You know, we have before us a great commission and the great commandment that's God's big vision. And last Sunday, we were encouraged to answer these questions God, what are you doing? And how can I join you? The Jews that had returned to Jerusalem they weren't asking, how can I join you? They had had already seen the power of God, and that's that's the uh, interesting thing. They knew what God was doing. They knew he had a plan. Man, God moved on a pagan king. This was not a guy that was in the line of the great King David or anything. This was King Cyrus, king of Persia, a pagan king. And yet God said, you, Cyrus, you're going to build the temple. And Cyrus wrote a decree, and he sent 42,000 of the Jewish people back. And he gave them all the gold and the silver from, from the temple that Nebuchadnezzar had stolen. He said, go rebuild it. And they returned, and they returned safely. And then they began to work on the mission. After they made an altar and they worshiped God, what happened? They soon faltered. Because of fear? Because of relying on their own power? Because of only seeing these huge obstacles and despising what they considered small things? Forgetting what God had done? Well, God is advancing his kingdom. God's advancing his kingdom on earth. And through Jesus, he has given the great command and the great commission. And that bears out differently for every single one of us. But don't forget what God's already done, don't see things he's done as insignificant or too small. God might have a a, a big vision. That's true. And our part might seem less than others. Some people, they they have a bigger part. They have a more visible part. Others have a, a less visible, a smaller piece. But each of us should answer, God, what are you doing in my situation? What are you doing in my life right now? And how can I join you? Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of God's mission. Don't fear promoting Jesus. Don't fear promoting the gospel or talking about Jesus, even if it makes you the weirdo at school or it makes you the just that strange person at work or, or in the neighborhood. Or, or don't fear talking about Jesus even to your own family, your family, who, who may be saying, oh, Jesus, just joined that crazy Jesus cult. That's all right. Keep talking about Jesus. Keep talking about the mission that he has given you. Don't think you can't do it because, well, God's just not, he's not equipped me enough to talk about it. He hasn't given me what I need to, to speak about the gospel. Don't believe what you have to offer isn't enough. Don't believe that your piece is too small or too insignificant. You might feel in the, the grand scheme of things and God's big vision, you're just not that important. Nobody sees me. Nobody really cares what I get done. I'm just an O-ring. It's very significant. You are not insignificant what you do is important for the kingdom remember the words of the apostle those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable now you are the body of christ and each of you is a part of it your part is not by your power your part is not by your might but by His Spirit. So today, today I, I just say with sincerity, open yourself up to God's Holy Spirit. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Pray, Holy Spirit, to support you in trusting and obeying the Great Commission and the Great Command. Trust the Holy Spirit to assist you to help you see clearly what you have to offer in service to the Lord and that it's essential. That it's essential to God's big vision. Yeah, it's a big vision. It's huge. But your part is never, ever insignificant. It's never too small. So maybe as we close, we take a minute or two here just to just to look internally and be, be as sincere and genuine as possible. Lord, have I, have I been afraid? Have I thought I just, I can't do this? I, I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. I was uncomfortable in that one situation and I just clammed up. Would you maybe take a minute or two just to look inside and ask the Holy Spirit, like, help me? Please help me, because He will. He will. I can't do it; it's not my might or power. You can't do it; it's not your might or power. By His Spirit. Let's, let's just take a minute or two right now. Just at your seats, if, if some if you want to come to these altars, that's totally fine. Let's just go before God and really just take a a couple of minutes and say, Lord. I need your spirit to do my part. And if I've despised my little part or anybody else's, help me. Let's do that. Let's pray, and you're welcome to stand as we pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you are doing in our lives. Lord, we are your body. Help us to remember that and know if if what we are seems a, a part or a piece that's hidden or Too small. God, help us to never, ever say that. You have chosen us, be it to be a foot or a hand, a part that's unseen, a little piece. You have equipped and you've chosen us, and what we have to offer for your kingdom is critical. And, important. and if we have laid it aside because we're afraid or because we just thought it wasn't enough, God, I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit, the resurrected spirit of our living God, would just dwell in each one and encourage and remind. We don't do it on our own, but we do it with you, with your power. Lord, Empower us. Lord, may your Holy Spirit fall on us. And may you use us. God, I pray, I pray you would give your people great, great testimonies of you, of you and your empowerment. God, I pray they come back this week and we hear of how you've helped people overcome fears and get mountains out of the way because you did it. Thank you, God. Thank you. Lord, pour it out. Take your people. Carry them. Keep them. Watch over them. Return us again, Father, to praise you and to worship you and exalt you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your encouragement from the Holy Spirit today. We just ask that you would continue, continue to be with us and empower us this week. In Jesus' name.